Hello everyone and welcome to another Fireside Chat, Kadurin's Fireside Chat. This is number 52. And uh, for those of you that are new, uh, so just a bunch of colleagues uh, talking about the industry, software development industry and all sorts of things, is conversations that we used to have after work. And, uh, and now we do them here. With you, and we still do. We still do that afterwards. <laughs> we just record. Exactly, <laughs> we're just recording it for uh, I don't know for for your entertainment. Let's say. <laughs> uh, so if you're new, remember to subscribe, hit the notification button uh, if you like what you see, and you know put forward um, all the topics that we can discuss. And uh, today we are going to be talking about AI. So how will AI change software development? And this comes because in the last few months with uh, ChatGPT coming out and before that Copilot and before that, you know, there's, there's been a couple of um, intents not to, to bring AI into aiding software development. Um, and in the last year, I would say that the advance has been huge. Uh, which begs the question, you know, how do we see the future of that, you know, evolving, right? Like, how, how is it already affecting the way that we do things and so on? And it's interesting because before we, we had this, uh, we choose this topic, which we did, I don't know, yesterday, I think, or something like that, um, most of us were not very familiar with, with some of the stuff, or let's say the state of the art for some of the things. So it was interesting you know, watching uh, some of the videos to, to see how you know, things have evolved, what's happening, what is it capable of, and so on. And uh, as always, we have Mash and Sandro uh, here as well to, to discuss that. So let's let's start, as always, now with a bit of a definition. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do we mean by... <laughs> no? I'd, I'd AI, like to point... I'd like to point out that you are the resident expert on on AI and chat GPT. We are just because I've used learn. it. <laughs> we are here to uh, No, but but seriously, what what do we mean by um, AI aided, let's say, uh, programming? No, or or yeah, what what comes to mind? Let's say when you think. Of it. Well, the. The way I see it is that, you know, in in the old, and this actually reminds me a little of uh, when when I was studying uh, at university, uh, you would install Emacs. And part of Emacs, I forgot the name of the, there was a, it, it had a name, but it played a trick. You could ask it questions that it would answer for you. And everyone, even at that time, was thinking, is it AI or not AI, right? <laughs> And in that case, it wasn't, it was actually a very simple kind of a knowledge base that would allow you kind of given certain questions, it will ask questions using your answers, give answers using your question. Uh, but the way I see AI, and I guess we are talking about machine learning in particular, and given that so much, we have so much data available on the net that you can create um uh, you can train algorithms to know uh, everything or build its knowledge base or its kind of decision models from all the data that's available on the internet or op that is open to everybody, right? And then based on that, be able to um, answer questions. So, so to train a model and then be able to answer questions that anyone can pose, right? So from AI-aided programming, is then it's like it's a much more customizable and much more interactive code generation tool than than what we've seen. So it's some some something that helps you uh, create code in an inter interactive way or, or generate code in an interactive way. So that's how I would see AI aided programming basically. Yeah, in a, in a much more uh, simplistic way, uh, given that I don't understand much about the topic. But from everything that I've seen from uh, chat uh, GPT and mainly like the GitHub Copilot is 
So AI-aided programming is more like you express what you want uh, and then it generates the code for you. So given like the, the learnings that the, the, the tool has, like analyzing loads and loads of uh, either uh, source codes. So basically like you go there and say, look, I would like a function that does that. And then the tool will say, look, this is a suggestion. Do you want that one or you want different ones? So, and then it keeps that context. I think this is what is the most uh, uh, interesting thing because like the, as Mesh was saying, like in the past we saw things like, okay, I have a, a specific question. It will match with possible answers, but now it's, it's, it just keeps the context. And that's for me was the game changer. So like you just express what you want. I want a function of X. It writes a function of X. Uh, and if you don't like it, say like I want a different alternative. And then it gives you. And then it's like, I would like to generate the test for that. And it generates a test. So basically like it's almost like you telling the machine what to do. Uh, and I found that massively impressive. But that's what I mean, like for example, by AI-aided programming is like you're using uh, another source of intelligence, if you like, when you are expressing what you want and collaborating with this other source of intelligence. Well, I, I don't know if I would say intelligence in there, but uh, <laughs> but I, I I understand. No, is there like this dialogue, no, where you're mm -hmm. kind of uh, clarifying or refining the result of, of what you want, no, and the this thing is generating uh, the code for you. No, in a sense. I think there's another aspect that it would help uh, with, which is understanding code. So I, I think one of the, and, and chat GBD, for instance, does this very well, and so on, is the, the summarizing what things are about, or explaining what things are about. So it could be relatively easy to get to a code base that maybe you don't know about. And just by looking uh, that summary will give you a better idea or understanding of the of the context. No, to which degree that is safe to do and just act on the summary of. <laughs> uh, I think as time goes on, it will get refined a lot more, and you know, trustworthy, so to speak. You can rely a bit more on it. But I think that's another aspect, like getting, you know, the whole project right and kind of asking questions or you know, like, where are the areas where you know this happens and it will tell you, you know, or where is there more risk for eggs? You no, know? and it will analyze the thing and, and tell you, right? So I think that's also another aspect uh, that could be quite interesting, not just designing or, or telling it to write the code for you. Um, I, 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 again, I find, it, I find it very exciting. I think it's been a very long time since I was, I looked at something and I thought, wow, this is going to change things, right? And uh, the, uh, there is a book called uh, Life 3.0, which talks about, because uh, you said, oh, I wouldn't call it intelligence. I actually would call it artificial intelligence. But in, uh, there is a distinction between artificial intelligence and artificial general intelligence, so AI and AGI. Right, even at like when I studied AI at university, they would they would look at they were looking at AI and not AGI, and even a knowledge based system that allowed you to answer questions. You know, uh, you know, this person has this these symptoms. What could they what could they have in terms of uh, an illness or a condition, and things mm -hmm. like Prolog. We were programming in Prolog to create these decision systems, right? And that is AI. Right, it's not. It's intelligence. You know, you can rely on it. It's a tool, and I think this is. And even the way I would see it is that you know we look at IntelliJ or the JetBrains ID, right? And mm -hmm. we, and Code Insight got really much better, and they called it Code Insight, right? You know, you start typing, and it will you know complete the the uh, kind of the signature definition for you or. You type four and it will do the, the skeleton for the for loop, right? Now, I don't see this as any different except like maybe a, a thousand times more powerful. But it is just like that is was a tool that actually really helped us. IDs do help you, especially with more cumbersome 
kind of kind of verbose languages, they help you create um, all code that you know you you don't have to type. You know you can move quicker, and I think this is just a leap in that direction. It helps you move much much quicker, um, and it is intelligence in my view. I think it it will really make programmers very very productive if they use it well. Yeah, so uh, it's funny, Mesh, because you, you, you said what I would say in terms of like, I'm not a true geek, right? So though I'm a developer and I like technology, but I'm not a geek. So for example, I, I very rarely, uh, the, the, the early adopter of something and stuff. So very rarely I get excited with stuff. I normally wait for certain things to mature, others to just to, to die because they, they come in, make a lot of noise and die. And so then I didn't even waste my time. But but this is something that like similar to you, Mesh, like when I looked at it and I said like this is a game changer. This this will completely revo- revolutionize everything. Um even like to the point, like uh my daughter goes to 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 a private school here, and there was a uh I think a two weeks ago. Yeah, I think about like a, about two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. So there was an assembly where all the parents go and stuff. And the head teacher of the school was talking to parents about chat GBT. And, and she was saying that they will need to learn how to deal with that. Because, of course, the students might start using that for their assignments and things like that. So this is, this is going to disrupt tons of industries. Like not like our area is just one out of many, but lawyers, for example, or, or, or many other people that write documents or or rely on research and stuff like that. Like this is gone. Like so, uh, for example, I, I saw. I think that it was uh, Muhammad uh, Sufyan. So so he was saying that he's now using that instead of Stack Overflow. So this is so powerful that will tip the scale of very large and established organizations. Stack Overflow probably will be gone. Even mm. Google, to some degree, depending on what you are using Google for, might go away as well. So this is a, a significant disruptive <laughs> technology, right? So, 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 yeah, and in terms of the uh, software developers, we will evolve to... to to a position that we will be more telling what we want done, you know? Like, that's how I see the future. We'll be more like, uh, I think that, like, this is, like, very new, right? Remember that this was... Specification really- by example. You just yeah. Made- Specification by example, but in a in this dialogue format, no? <laughs> right, exactly. So because like if you think about this is quite new. Like this was released, what, in November last year or something like that? Mm-hmm. So imagine like in five years' time where, where this is gonna be. You know. So so one thing I would say about this is that like people often take it to and I've seen a few videos as well where people said, well, you know. It can go all the way to where we don't need programming languages, or I, I personally don't think so because uh, I'll tell you one one problem with this core generation in general when it's a black box, right? Again, back to my AI course at university. <laughs> one thing that we always knew about neural nets is that when you were training them, uh, once they managed to do what you were going to do, that you know, good luck in actually understanding how they're doing it. What is that, yeah. yeah. The explainability and issue. Of, the explainability uh, issue is big, right? And you can probably take technologies like this all the way to where you are just saying things and it's, it's creating all the code for you. You know, they're talk, talking about even taking the middle man away, which is programming languages, and creating machine code directly, right? And it could probably do that uh, if given enough Right, so where you're just telling them what to do, telling it what to do, what kind of features you want, how you want it, how you want it to look, blah blah blah, what behaviors, and it will start creating things. The problem I see there is that then you hit that same problem because you've got a black box, you don't know how it's doing things, and when certain things don't work, you don't know, and then maybe you have to start from scratch because you you don't know how you got to where you got to, and actually the current. 
uh, form that it's in, where it's allowing, it's interactive, it's small steps, but quick. You're telling it, okay, you know, create this function that does this, uh, you know, use this library for this kind of layout and so on. And you are constantly reviewing the code, you're making it better, you're improving it, you're getting it to do, that aided, the programmer is still in charge, but the AI is doing the toil. And again, this is actually in Life 3.0 as well, is that you know, the conclusion in that there was that the AGI, which is basically you know, HAL and you know, all that science fiction where AGI is basically you know, artificial intelligence that is indistinguishable for human, from human intelligence. You know, forget, forget that. But what they talked about is where AI is going to revolutionize the world is by removing toil away from humans so that humans can do the work that only humans can do. And a lot of the time when we are programming, there is a lot of toil involved in it, right? We have in our mind exactly what that function should look like. And then it takes about us half an hour to create it and write the tests. But, you know, but reading it, having something else generated and then just tweaking it to what you want would be much quicker. So I think it's removing that toil, but still keeping the interactivity, the uh, transparency of what is creating, allowing you to refine. I think that's where it's a game changer. The, no, go, go on, Jose. No, I think that the, there's, um, there's more aspects to it. I think the dialogue uh, aspect is, is quite important in, in, in a sense. It's almost like having a pairing, uh, a pairing partner, you know, the driver and the navigator kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. um, but with someone that can write really, really fast, you no, know, and and so on. So you know, oh wait, but make this change or whatever. And that expression of having to communicate what you, what you're thinking and so on, <clears throat> uh, I think will have an impact uh, mm -hmm. as well, right? Both in the way that we think. Um, because we, we are using more natural language to express what we want to do instead of, you know, programming languages, which in, in, in a sense are trying to specialize, no, in, in those things. So it's, it's, we might develop our own uh, domain-specific languages to deal with, with this stuff, is mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say, no? <clears throat> and then there's the, the other aspect of how we... Uh, learn as well, programmers, you know. So before someone was saying, no, I just use this instead of the Stack Overflow, or I, you know, before, like you would go look at tutorials, you would, you know. Um, this, I think, has the potential to to make it very interactive so that this pairing body that you have is not only uh, uh, writing the code, it's also kind of mentoring you or explaining things. And then you're, you know, you're having this conversation uh with them, no, uh, at the same time, and, and I have seen people start to use it uh, like that, right? Like, hey, this is how you would do this, and it goes, it explains the thing, and then you can ask questions around. Well, so, why is it doing this? Why, you know, what would be the way to do X, Y, C? And I don't understand why these two are different, no. And then you go and explain um, why, no. So that I think is also uh, quite powerful in itself, no. The way that we learn. Uh, the way that we think about the learning of software development and, and computers in general, no, and mm -hmm. that's, I and, think that's. Uh, and I, I haven't tried it. I mean, I don't know how it works with, like, for example, refactoring. Refactoring. I'm sure it will do probably a good job in refactoring at the small scale, but even at the large scale, this could be very interesting indeed, and especially with kind of like with a test-driven approach and that kind of thing where. You're creating the tests or you are generating the test that would then verify the code. But then you're saying, okay, I'm, I have confidence in my test, you know, refactor this. Or you can say, okay, I am testing it. What am I not testing? What are the key things that are not, uh, my tests are not covering? You know, like we look at code coverage, but code coverage is actually very rudimentary. It requires a lot of interpretation interpretation to truly understand whether the thing that is being exercised is actually being verified. Whereas this kind of thing could actually help you do all that. And, and I, I, I would love to see 
you know, those kind of tools coming to the fore where they're not talking about code coverage in terms of the code that's exercised, but what are you verifying and where, what are the things that you, you're missing? Wouldn't that be brilliant in an ID that, that could tell you that? It, it, it would. Uh, I just, uh, just before uh, I answer to that, I would like to go back a bit on what you were saying, Mesh. My, my thesis when I graduated, and that goes back to 1997, yeah? so I remember having discussions uh, with other uh, people in my classroom, and they were saying that because back then it was the day that uh, the 4GL languages were being created. Like, or, or, and we have things like, for example, a lot of drag and drop uh, tools that would create desktop applications. Like we had Visual Basic, we had Delphi, we had all this kind of stuff. Even like we had like, uh, remember Rational Rows and, and all the UML that you could draw UML and would generate code. It was around that time. Yeah, for those of you that might be a bit uh, as old as I am. Um, back then, uh, there was already conversations that programmers would die. And then uh, my thesis was that programmers would not die ever, right? So then I, I, I was looking at history and I found in books from the 70s, similar arguments when COBOL was invented. So when COBOL was invented, people were saying programmers will die because before that people were programming an assembly and all of a sudden what they did, like with COBOL, they elevate the, the, the level, level of, of abstraction. abstraction. <laughs> the level of abstraction, exactly. So, so what, what was happening was every innovation in terms of programming languages and IDEs and stuff was an elevation of level of abstraction, including the frameworks and libraries and, and things like that, even databases, if you like, right? So all this tooling was a continuous elevation of levels of abstraction. So we code more and more to a higher level of abstraction. And, and every time the, the, the abstraction is elevated, and I was trying to think about that uh, before we... we we join here, like when those jumps, when those leaps happen, and I think there is a degree of confidence as well. For example, today, this chat uh, GPT is, is very new, right? So I would not dare just to ask it to create a function for me and not review it, yeah? But that was true for the frameworks in the past. We would not just like, for example, I would not trust this framework, I'm gonna write my own thing. Until then, you you get re then you give up because like the framework has been around for a long time, loads of fixes were done and stuff, and then say so, you know what this library here or this framework I can rely, I don't need to worry about that anymore. And those things for me, this will speed up that that uh, that elevation, and, and and I would combine that intelligence if you like. Uh, with also the building blocks that we are dealing today. For example, in the examples of the. Uh, the copilot. Some people are saying, like, create, I would like to create a Node.js application that does that and call this API. And then the, the thing would know which URL to call, what was the, the JSON structure to send. And it's like, I would like now to post this something and blah, blah, blah. So the building blocks that we are dealing with are becoming more coarse grained. Before the building blocks were much smaller. Now the building blocks are, are going. So I see that like in a few years, us doing far bigger things. For example, I saw an example of uh, how many services do I need to build a dating application or an e-commerce application? And all of a sudden the thing was like, you need like a, an authentication uh, service, you need like a profile service, you need a matching service, you need this and this and that. It's so, okay, like create uh, one service, uh, Create all those services in Node.js. And, and I see those things, or expose an API with this. Deploy that into a Lambda on AWS. I, I believe that because of the building blocks are becoming more and more mature, I see that going that direction. And I would not even go as far as saying, like, if you put uh, augmented reality, you know, so so really start visualizing that, like, for example, because as the, the, the building blocks become more coarse grained, it allows us to say, look, I create a service with this kind of uh, input and output. That's the data. I want the data to be persisted in there with that format. This should be available in that server. 
But I, I, I think those, I, I agree, by the way, the building blocks, uh, Stephanie, I, I even used to, I mean, this is something I, I said a while back, and I used to, I still say it, is that why are we still dealing, like, especially from an infrastructure point of view, why do we end up, you know, creating, you know, starting from the beginning with infrastructure as core, like every single project, we are all creating most of the scripts or Terraform scripts or whatever scripts we're creating ourselves. Maybe there are some templates here and there, but why is it, why don't we have a high level of uh, uh, abstraction? Because actually in platform, you only, there's a finite things or number of things that you do, right? Whereas in programming, you know, the business logic and so on, you know, there's variations for every single thing that you see. But at the platform level, that's not true. You have a very finite number of variations. So why don't we have a larger building blocks in platform? But this this allows you to create that. One thing I would say is that I don't think, or I think it's quite far away for us to have that level of confidence on um, write me a service that does this thing with these variations. Because as we said, like every business, although, you know, depending on how far down to the microservices you go, there might be some microservices like authentication and so on, these cross-cutting things, which would always be very similar or the same, but others would be quite different. Like it almost reminds me of the worldly map and that kind of thing, you know, commodity and custom. And I think with commodity, you can have larger building blocks. With custom, you can't. And and AI technology is constantly learning, so it's constantly evolving what it will create. So I, I don't think you can, it's not a case of like, here's one thing and then we'll, we'll gradually work out the kinks or the problem. It's like, it's going to be generating and evolving whatever is, is creating. Next time it will be different and so on. So I think we still will. And it will be creating new problems as well. Exactly. <laughs> so so I, even I if you take care of the gig, then yeah. Yes, totally. So I think you'll still need to provide that scrutiny that, but in some cases, yes, where you got commodity uh, in services, you'll be able to create a much, much but, larger building. But there's an, there's an aspect of this, which I think is, is quite groundbreaking. I remember, I remember a couple of years back watching a talk by uh, Uncle Bob and he was saying something along the lines of, you know, uh, we're, you know, this was, I'm paraphrasing, yeah, but it was something along the lines of, you know, uh, we're kind of stuck in software development, no, like we haven't, there's been a, a bunch of years already where we mm. haven't made any progress or something story. like that. This is what I would envision, you know, like, hey, I want to split this thing and, you know, like, and that is now possible because you have a means that sort of can map that um, understanding of the language, no, to what splitting a service is or you know or this or that and then that i think is is groundbreaking in the sense that you can think of your system as a whole and and describe it in you know regular language no and ask it to do things and to with, with high impact as well right because before you were saying how many services do i, do I need 10 okay so write 10 services and i'm not saying that it's going to be good or bad or whatever of course with great power comes great responsibility and you can make big mistakes if you can <laughs> not the same like running scripts or whatever other uh, tool you want to to use no but uh, that uh, ability to to think of your system and and make operations on it yeah uh, just describing your you know, describing your natural language no is i think yeah. Quite, quite groundbreaking. Before it was like you need some kind of means, right? Like you needed a way to describe the rules, whether it's UML, you know, precondition, postcondition, you know, the, the sign by contract, like like this kind of uh, thing to to do it. Now you can just express it and refine it, and and, and I think that's groundbreaking in in that sense, right? Yeah. Uh, it will be. You know, you will be thinking of, oh, look at this. You know, you before you were thinking BR and all this stuff, like, why not? You have a representation of your system. Hey, I would like, you, you don't have to do it, right? Like, it, it would be more like a, like Tony Stark talking to um, to the, well, I don't remember the name of the, <laughs> of the AI that he has. Yeah, but it's like, you're talking to it, it's like, oh, what if we do this? What if we do that? And then, you know, it's just like, you don't have to interact with it. You don't need 
to physically do it. But before someone was saying in the chat that uh, you're kind of, uh, the more AI you use, you're, uh, you're kind of unlearning the programming that, that you know. And I think this is, uh, it is a valid concern because, of course, you can do things without knowing what is happening, but you can do that today as well. Exactly. Right? Like it's, it's, a, it's a problem that is present in, independently of... This is the point that I was making before, because like that argument was made multiple times. Like the, it's not that we are unlearning. I don't think that you unlearn, right? And, and I, I, I'm pretty sure that it was Replicant, I think, that wrote that. So I, I don't think that he meant like, if I'm misrepresenting you, Replicant, just let me know. But like, I don't think that he meant like unlearn. It's basically probably we are not going to learn deep enough certain things that are happening behind the scene. But this has been true for today. For example, if you take a developer today, and you go back to the, the guys that were working in assembly, right? So in the old days, they would say that we don't know anything because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And, and so as I was saying about the levels of abstraction, so we, we, we what we do is not that we unlearn skills, we gain new skills because the, the complexity of the software, the, the, the thesis when I wrote that in the university is that, if we were, if the developer was only doing, let's say, I'm, a, I'm mostly a Java developer, right? So, and I haven't been coding professionally for a while now, you know, in a proper project. So, for example, my skills are becoming obsolete, obsolete gradually. So, if I'm stuck in that, if my definition of a developer is being a Java developer, doing the, the traditional web app applications that we used to do in the past, I will die as a developer. But if I evolve to use modern applications nowadays, using like serverless architecture and all the, the new technologies that we have out there, then I elevate my, my knowledge to the, the current status quo, if you like. So this is what I'm saying. I think that as the, the what I was saying in my thesis is that the type of problems become bigger. The, the building blocks become bigger, but the type of problems become bigger. Because for example, when I was, at that time, the first projects that I had when I went to the industry was to automate a point of sale for a, for a bakery or for a, a shop uh, in the corner. And, and when they had a, a network of shops, or, or uh, um, so they had to have physical disks that you would copy and take somewhere else to put in a server. So the, the nature of our applications, they were much simpler then. As the building blocks and technology evolved, the complexity of those systems became much larger. Today, we buy that, that system. We don't build a system like we used to build in the 90s. We just buy them off the shelf as a SaaS today. And, and you don't need right. to know the, the specifics. Like, exactly. All of us are using computers now. <laughs> Do we know exactly how the, the logic processor is, is mapped out and what, you know, like, no, I, because we don't, we don't need to, right? I, like we do, we have some general understanding of, of what that could look like and not even because lots of people use computers that don't have that knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it really, uh, I think it's a, trying to make the argument that you would need to know every single layer of abstraction to the to, to the high yeah, I don't need to know how AWS, uh, what AWS does to have a Lambda available. I just need to be able to put some I code need to, in there. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I, I, think, I, th I think you need to look at time horizons. I totally agree, time horizons, because I think in the long term, yes, I, I agree with you that we will come to a point where the, you know, the level at which you're programming is much bigger, much different, the problems are much higher and so on. There is one thing I would say, however, is that right now, for example, I was, um, I was teaching, I'm doing this, uh, shameless plug, I'm doing this uh, course for the Madrid software craftsmanship community, like some talks on how to program in Clojure. And for, in the first two lessons, I did not go to an IDE at all because I wanted to show them the language and how, how it works and the certain tools that work. And I, you know, I love my IDEs. I use them all the time. Uh, but, but I think that the IDEs actually bred a certain kind of developer who 
they were often like junior developers that were born in the IDEs and didn't understand this, like for example, Java. They didn't understand what a class path was or how it worked and the certain things. And that's what I mean by time horizon. Even with, with the chat GPT, right? You might start getting the type of developer who relies on it so much that they can't, they 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 don't really know what it's creating or to artificial level they do, but um, they can't create it themselves, right? And I think that is dangerous. And but people, but on the other hand, people who understand it and are using it as a tool to create to remove the toil, they will understand more. So, so you, so I will be able to to do more as well. Exactly, so, because they'll so, be able to do it faster as well. No? Faster, yeah. and you'd be reading code, and you'd be coming across novel code much more often. So, actually, arguably, it can make you a better programmer. You will understand more approaches on how certain things are done, as long as you pay attention to how how the, those things are done. So I, I think in the in the in at least in the next I don't know five years or whatever we want to call it the next time horizon, I think it's just a really good tool that will make make people better programmers. Uh, I don't think they will get to the point where it's already uh, removing the need for them to understand, you know, the core at uh, at the level that they need to understand right now. No. Uh... I, but I think that what you will be able to do um, in five years' time is way more than just like, oh, create me a Roman numeral function and write the tests for it, right? So as we could see in some of those examples, people are already creating applications that can you can just copy and paste and they run. They are simple applications. There are Node.js applications or Python applications. Like it, it will be a bit difficult for you to say, like, I want to create a, a microservices in Java and, and, and whatever else. But the technology, but we then we would say, like, why do we would even use Java anyway for for certain things? Like, depend on which technology stack you go for, and if you go for serverless and all this kind of stuff, you probably would like to to have something much simpler that could be easily generated and deployed by simple tools. The the I feel that I, I'm really excited with this. Like, I never thought that I would be saying this, by the way. But like, I think that we will be more on the specification side. Because you can even write write the test, but not write the test. I mean, like, uh, you can specify what the test should do. So for example, you could say, create a set of tests or test that service with those kind of inputs and outputs. Or given those inputs, I would expect that service to, to return this or to store this thing in a database. So you start describing, mm -hmm. like the, the as you mentioned, Jose, the specification by example. I don't know how that would be, well, that could be easily recorded and stored somewhere and then added to the continuous uh, integration uh, or the pipelines and so on. But I believe that you could ask that to be generated. And there's a yeah. difference with the specification by example, which is instead of just having, oh, this is the example, this is how I, is additive. Because the, the way that this works is that you're having a conversation and you're kind of refining yeah. the the specification as, as you're going, right? And it, like it's it not like, oh, this... The, it, uh, it, it could it, create it, that can, specification for you as well. In fact, someone asked that question exactly. Uh, they said, you know, would you would you then have it write tests and how would you trust those tests if you're not trusting the code? But actually, you would you would scrutinize the test and you 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 ha you have it understand you know you know exactly what kind of rules it's creating and you can even get it to explain and summarize those rules as specification by example mm -hmm. even as formal specification you know again this is like an old technology maybe or old paradigm that may come back where you you had formal specification that actually could be mathematically proven for certain kind of things mm -hmm. uh, so so you could have this create certain self validating specifications specifications that are better read or easily read if you know the domain. And they can, as you said, Sandro, you know, you can have certain things that are persisting, that are not evolving, or they are additive, they're not being removed, and that are actually constantly helping you verify what's being generated. So actually the most important thing that then remains in your code base is the other rules that you've you kind of built yeah. as you are generating or building the code base. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I saw some some examples like uh, playing with APIs, right? They say like, okay, uh, I would like to get the I don't know the state of these, uh, the 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 value of these uh, thing on the stock market and so on and so forth. So the thing already knew which URL to to to, to point to, and then it's like I would like to list. Uh, all those different uh, companies in the stock market and the information and stuff. Then it consumed the API. It already created the data structure. It understood the API that it was calling. And then it started putting on, on, on some data and spitting out in the console and stuff like that. So you, you can, interacting with the thing, you can like create an, I would like to get a service and uh, API should be X. I would like to have like uh, to receive get requests of, with this format, or I should, we should, I should be able to accept post requests with this. That is this, and then you keep playing with that. No, add this field, remove that field, and so on and so forth. So you're just telling the thing what to do, and then you say, look, for this API in here, with this input, I would like this kind of data to appear somewhere else. And I, I think that, like for some, at some point, the thing will be intelligent enough that even those input and output definitions is to figure out how to get there. As long as it's not something massively complicated, I cannot see that creating uh, uh, machine learning, something very deeply complicated. But like most of the APIs, like they receive data, they validate some shit, store it somewhere, or, or they go to somewhere, get some data, join it, filter or whatever, and return. So those things are not very complicated. Exactly. And you know, someone someone asked a question. I think it's Mahmoud Sufyan. Um, he asked a question. What about you know that question around it's using other people's code that is proprietary to learn, right? And my answer to that is this exactly: the vast majority of code is not rocket rocket science. It's just the same way of doing doing the same thing. It's like you know, there's a bit of data processing, there's a bit of persistence, there's a bit of translation, a few few. It's not a lot of times you're not asking your GitHub co-pilot to write the uh, the complex business logic that is proprietary to a particular business. The custom aspect, it's creating commodity for you, not custom. And when it's looking at it, by definition, the things that it's really going to learn and heavily biased towards are commodity because it will see the same way of doing things over and over again. And those are the win things that it's going to be building their models over. So... I, I personally think this is actually a very good thing. I know that like there's privacy issues and reading people's repositories and this and that and so on. But I think this yeah. is for, for the good. I, I think people most of the time people are complaining. If if you got some piece of code in a in a public repo, the chances are, and I would say 99%, I'm just making percentages up, code that's written is not exactly your secret source, right? And the secret source type of code is very few and far between, and by definition, uh, is not the best bits to train a, a, a general coding algorithm from. So I, I think the people who complain about it are kind of a, going a bit too far down the, you know, being. There's a, been <laughs> there's been uh, uh, cases where uh, it would speed out, uh, you know, training data like. Uh, like keys, like API keys and and stuff like that. <clears throat> uh, yeah, but if if your API it. keys are sitting in your in your, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right, in your right. public repos, then you yeah. deserve it. <laughs> no, you know, like I have a, a very small anecdote uh, about this code <laughs> privacy. Uh, this was way before, like uh, this goes back probably ten years ago because we didn't have code students. Uh, I was still working for UBS with Mesh, and back then we were discussing if we could work from home or not. And if you could access the network, the UBS network from home or not. So, so that was a discussion and, and it, because we wanted laptops and all this kind of stuff. And then I remember having this, this discussion with the, one of the, the main architects in there. No, because you cannot do that. Because what if people get our code, uh, get, uh, they, 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 they get their hands on our code? And I said, dude, 
if someone can get this code, <laughs> understand and make sense of it. I've been working here for almost three years and I still don't understand. <laughs> so we should hire those guys, you know? <laughs> so, no, but, but listen, with an AI, that would be possible in a small amount of time. Yeah. But, but, but see, th th this is what yeah. Master was saying. Like, it's not, it's not the code base. Like, of course, there might be some very specific things that are really like... Uh, where the code base is, their product is so special that that it will make a difference. But most of the time, like, what is difficult is to generate a business, is to find clients, is to have someone to buy your stuff or to sell your stuff or to, to make a, a company run and stuff. Like, the code itself is, is just a means to an end. It is, it's not what it... The source code is not, for example, if someone gets the source code, for example, if I get the source code from one of those very... From Netflix... Right, I have the entire, let's say, the entire Netflix or Spotify or even Facebook on my computer right now. I cannot create another Netflix. I will never get those clients or make those contracts and sign those deals. So, so, yeah. so I think that people think too much about sometimes of their source code. <laughs> Unless yeah. that is something that very... Major, yeah, like cutting, cutting edge, and you yeah. know, it's like so cutting edge research and development. Uh, and yeah, yeah you, you exactly. haven't created a pattern for it or whatever. Yeah, so there, there's another thing which is, and this is something that IBM has been doing because Watson is is quite older than all of this stuff, and Watson was already kicking ass some, some time ago. Though I think one of the things that made this explode was the fact that they kind of open it to the world no that's mm -hmm. one of them the, the other one is i don't know the the specific of, of watson but is the the massive size that this thing has like all of the parameters that it has like a billion or, or whatever it is no so i think those the the fact the combination of the size and what it's able to do yeah uh, that that model that is mapped in there what it's able to do and the fact that anyone can use it were two of the things that it kind of blew it out of uh, proportion. But it is something that, again, IBM has, has been doing already for quite some time, yeah? And the way that they go, uh, they they went around some of this stuff. I remember when the whole, uh, for instance, predicting if someone's going to vote one way or another, or whatever, based on the data, this kind of stuff, right? It was like, oh, this is, this is illegal, uh, illegal or whatever. Well... I'm not using the data itself. I'm using a model that I created from the data, right? So even if I'm using your code to train my thing, what I'm actually commercializing, what I'm using is the aggregation, not just of your code, of all the other shit that I put in, into that, right? Mm -hmm. so, so that separation between what it is that the model is and how it derives stuff from whatever data you, you use to train it uh, is something that people miss out on which brings us to the topic of uh, the whole um, bias uh, thing like using training sets that so Jose before you. you go before you go to the bias I've just remembered something and I think it adds to that argument or rather um, provides another perspective right so for, we're talking about just code and it's fine yeah there is a big hoo-ha going on at the moment in um, AI algorithms that are creating art, right? Mm -hmm. So they they are taking they are taking original creations, yeah, millions of them or whatever, and then you can say, do me an impressionist painting of these fruits in a. Tuscan landscape or something, right? Well, wasn't it the ver the previous uh, uh, version? How this open AI actually came about was the 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 project before the the, the chat GPT. No, is that Dali and yeah? So this yes, is stable diffusion Dali and and uh, Mid Journey are uh, uh, three models that so, do so, that kind of stuff. But it's a different. So it's of, like uh, there's a lot of digital artists that have. So they, they, they have their, their projects, uh, they, you know, of course they need to sell, and they, they have all this electronically available, but they are copyrighted. These things, you know, code of, you know, you can argue, but, but the, the, they, they are copyrighted. And then 
it will create a new painting, learn, taking all those other paintings and it will create a new painting. Now, the, the reason I add it, firstly, like I had this, this conversation with my son uh, who is into, he's doing a degree in computer science, but he's also into art and so on. And he's very vocal, like, you know, this is stealing. Like people are, because he's also into artists and he knows some artists who, who've had, you know, and, and I said to him, like, same thing. I said, no, it's not stealing, it's learning. Like, does that new painting look like the painting? No, but it's taking away, his view was that these painters or artists or graphic designers, they're spending a hell of a lot of time building um, something they've, they've, you know, that they've honed this art over their whole life. This skill. Mm -hmm. This skill over their whole lives. And suddenly something can create something as good as theirs or even better it's stealing Without, your skills, right? Like yeah, all steals, those years of, of they, experience. So, like we developers feel threatened. I mean, talk about them. They're basically losing their livelihood. It's like, oh, I want to use that painting, but actually, no, because that's copyrighted and the guy wants like 500 pounds for it, for me to use it on my website. You know what? I'm going to feed that into AI and say, like, do me a similar painting like this. And suddenly I'm not going to buy and just that make painting. those changes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, but I'm not going to buy that painting. I'm else. just going to create my own original mm -hmm. now where do we stop i'm just asking the devil's advocate because i was yes. like more on the lines of you know well but, but this this is probably will lead to a separate discussion is probably not the right channel uh and not the right time mm -hmm. uh but, but but this happened throughout the the history for me this is also happened with industrial revolution so as things evolve the value that are associated to things change Right, so what people are interested to buy or pay more or less chains according to the demand, supply, the whole economics and stuff. So, for example, before you in order to have a nice painting on your wall, you there was no internet, there was no printers, printer machines. You had to go to a proper painter and say, Look, this guy or this person will spend days. Um, yeah, paint me a portrait of my family. Exactly, and you would be there. Like he would pay, spend days, and you would spend days uh, there, right? So, you, you, so you know, I, I, I agree, I agree, and I think there is a, but there is a social impact to this stuff, right? Like just with, like you described with painters, I don't think the painters or, or people with those skills would disappear. There will be less of them, yeah, because there's less demand for less, the uh, you know. Uh, uh, less uh, my my brain today. Um, less money basically to to sustain uh, you know that kind of uh, business. Yeah, but there will still people. There will still be people who would want their paint uh, their uh, paintings to be done by a professional. No, in a specific style. You know, with in the paint shop, with the brush in and the, or whatever. Uh, you know, or whatever. Or, yeah, exactly. So, so that's yeah. still going to be there. It will be. It will become most likely a a, a, a craft, a niche. Uh, no, yeah. it is a craft already, but it, it's like an a, a niche. Home, yeah. No, or a, no. Um, so what is done is commoditize uh, a lot those. Let's say the output of, of that kind of thing, right? But the uh, the thing that is being uh, built, although it uses the same style or the same you know colors or whatever, right? Similar, yeah. It's not exactly what you created. Yeah, it's not your work. So so generating something and saying no, it's stealing. Because it copied the way that I do things. If I go and start copying someone's style, I copy someone's style. I think the main problem with this is the social impact that it's having because it is reducing you know, the livelihood of, of, uh, of these people. And that has, a, has an impact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If people were able to create the paintings using whatever style, but not profit, I think it would be less, uh, less of a problem. Uh, in that sense, because yeah, but, but, but society reinvents. Yeah, the, but but, but the, society reinvents themselves because, like, uh, this was said. Like, for example, this exact argument happened so many times, but so many times, mainly within our industry. Our industry is notorious to destroy other jobs. 
Remember, well, remember, well, uh, uh, yeah, we, we are doing the by that. We are this. <laughs> well, so so technology in general, like from from industrial revolution to now, like for some, remember like when Uber came about, the riots that we had all over the world in large big cities, and say like, oh no, no, taxi drivers are dead, or this kind of industry is dead. Or they're still going have, on like, in Spain, by the way. Exactly, in Spain, they, 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 they still like that. Now it's just a sport, I think, became a national sport. But, the, the, but, 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 but like every now and again, like that we created a new product or, or, or a new technology emerges. So, oh, now these people will not have jobs. It happened all over the place. And then we automated some supermarkets. Then we don't need the, uh, someone to be uh, passing out, scanning our stuff because some supermarkets will do that uh, Without, so we do that all the time throughout our history, and we we'll keep doing that. And society keeps reinventing themselves. Like I was, for example, there are many jobs. If you take the last twenty years, there are many jobs that didn't exist in twenty years. Although some of them uh, are now not popular, or you would not make money out of them, but there is a whole new industry, a whole set of new jobs that were created because the internet or YouTube or uh, Spotify or Netflix or, or Uber or so, so, see what I'm saying. So for, for me, like these these arguments will never die. And I think that is a I think that society will always reinvent themselves. New jobs will emerge. We will be doing different things, but it's an evolution. That's, exactly. But again, it, it does have a social impact. We have the the other topic that I was trying to bring in, uh, which was the whole uh, um, was Are you it? sure you don't want to wait for another couple of minutes? Exactly. Yeah. I think that like, you need to wait for a couple of minutes, no, like no, normally we, around we, we 58 minutes, uh, two minutes to the hour. That's normally when yeah. when you are saying, "Okay, shall we start? Shall we start wrapping up?" So, <laughs> no, no, no. It's the the whole uh, bias no, introduced by the training data and this kind of stuff, which is kind of related to what we were discussing. Now, like I'm giving you my data and whatever, right? And there were at the beginning there were a few examples with ChatGPT where people would you know uh, write a function that tells you if a programmer is good or not, right? And then the function would be like, oh, if the programmer is uh, white, is no, or if the it's a woman, no, or whatever, right? And it was there was bias built into uh, into the thing, no, from the from the. the, the there, there is, but I'd like to say one thing. You know, it's like the same with self-driving cars, yeah? Right? Human beings kill other people when they're driving on a daily basis, probably thousands and thousands of times. And a self-driving car does it once, and it's news across the world, Yeah. right? So, yeah. and and the same goes for, for the for the bias things. These things are a product of us, and they, they are... They they will well, have they, they, they will, will reflect they will have flaws it will say yeah. they will reflect us right so if we have biases they will have biases right but they will probably have I mean uh, other than that that um, uh, what was that Twitter Twitter bot that was was it created by Twitter that started spewing racist <laughs> uh, profanities everywhere uh, but if but the thing is. I think we do need to monitor it and so on, but they will have biases, right? As we all do, and they will they will learn from the information that's out there, and and all those biases will be embodied within the model, right? It will be a bit of a mirror, right? Like it, it is showing us what we are. What we are. Kind of. What no, we are. Like and if you if you want better results, then start getting. Yeah. And sometimes it's good to look at a mirror because then you can, you know kind of realize that your your hairline is receiving. But, but, but you know, but you know, like, uh, again, like this, this is a topic that is way beyond uh, my, my, uh, my understanding, but like the, but I wonder, because like when we talk about bias and stuff, quite often it's because people take their, uh, well, their own point, their own perspective of the world or their group perspective. And, and then everything that they talk and, and reason about is from that perspective. But, as we have multiple groups from completely different perspectives or groups or individuals with completely different perspectives, publishing stuff, talking about the same topics, but from completely different views, I wonder if those machines would be a little bit less biased because they might be trained across 
uh, data. They'll have more perspective than individuals. They will have more perspectives, exactly. And, and the Possible. machine probably would not care too much. It might still uh, favor one over the other, but I don't think that it will... I don't know exactly. This is where my 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 my, my knowledge uh, is very limited in this area. So I don't know exactly how it learns or if it would favor something that finds more occurrences of something or not. So, for example, maybe there is one type of group that is more vocal about a perspective uh, and so on. Uh, but but in a way, they these kind of stuff, if done <laughs> like more like okay, this is a bunch of text that you need to analyze, might be. L- far less biased than we are today. It's an interesting proposition. Yeah, the out doesn't mean that you, it will probably will come up with a outcome after it analyzes that, that depending on your own biases, you might not like that outcome because it might go against <laughs> your mm-hmm. own perspective. But but in theory, my view uh, could be less less biased than we are now. Yeah. Totally. All right. I think we are hitting the hour mark. Should the we? one hour mark. Yeah, yes. let's, let's wrap it up. So any final thoughts uh, on the topic uh, that you would like to share? I can start. I think uh, like, you know, how will AI change, change software development? I think ChatGPT is probably the the or, and the co-pilot and so on. They are exciting. They're the first time after quite a long career um, in software development, I see something I think, okay, this is moving moving us forward. This will move us forward. And I, I, I really hope that it does. Uh, I think it will change software development. It'll make people more productive. Hopefully it will make software more reliable as well. Uh, and... And uh, as Sandra, you were saying, you know, as things become faster and we become more productive, it will allow us to do bigger things with software. I think it will lift the programmer, hopefully, into newer abstractions and make even our job exciting. And and I think I'm, for, for once, very hopeful that this technology will change our industry for the better. Yeah, uh, same, uh, very similar uh, for me. And I just realized that I was replying. Uh, uh, okay, I'm replying now properly. The uh, So I, I think that I'm excited about it. I agree with Mesh. I think that it's going to change significantly. I haven't, I don't remember seeing anything so disruptive like that. I think this is a game changer, not only in our industry, but in many other industries. Um, I think that all of us, for example, if you played like with it once, you now you want to play that more, more, right? So you want to incorporate that to your day-to-day work, right? Uh, so I think that the it, it's a natural step in terms of it's just a very large step compared to all the other ones. But I think that developers will keep evolving. My view for the future is that developers will work with much larger building blocks and they will have an aid. They will be, will be moving towards uh, a, 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 an era of uh, intelligence and not information. I think that that's what they call. I think we'll be more like, I would like to do that or what would be the best way to do that? So we will be using our brain to solve problems or, or understand what problems we should solve learning the right questions and so like what if we did that what would be the approach for that what would be the best way to resolve that how can i connect to that so you start telling what the machine what to do instead of ask us having to do the 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 almost the monkey word like typing the on toil. the keyboard the toil. exactly so i think that that's yeah. a, it's a game changer in my view i i uh, second that no it's it is a game changer i'm Looking forward to see how this not only evolves, but how available it it gets made. I think that there's there's some aspects of you know control over the technology itself and what advantage that gives. I think this is one of the things that, for instance, I was talking about IBM uh, before and Watson. Uh, there is an aspect of you know making it available and you know. Uh, 
allowing things not to stagnate, no, and continue yeah. evolving and, and innovating. And I think I'm looking forward to see what happens out of that. There's already plenty of innovation on top of the API, like thousands of businesses have started already on this, no, but, uh, but if we want to accelerate that, I think it needs to be. I think it needs it, to be the bazaar and not the cathedral. Exactly, exactly, right. So, so I'm looking forward to seeing that, especially you know with Microsoft behind it. I think it's good that there will be other players and other people, like other similar models or systems being made available and so on. And looking forward to that and what can come out of that. Um, I think that overall the evolution, as you said, Sandro, of, of software development and and developers in general will change in the way that we interact with building those systems and what kind of reach we have, but also the types of skills and knowledge that we will require, uh, in particular AI. So if you haven't, if, if you haven't looked into machine learning or how chat GPT works behind the scenes and, and this kind of stuff, I would pr very much recommend you to, to do so, at least as a general understanding of what is happening, what's the magic, no? So that you don't find yourself like uh, that uh, Arthur C. Clarke quote, no, the, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. No, mm -hmm. it 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 seems magic because we can. So why don't no? Let, let's do that. And I think there will be more of that, right? Which is not, uh, um, let's say once you, you before you were saying math. No, my, back in my years in the university, same with, same with me. No, like how much machine learning or AI general purpose or 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 not? Right, like. Well, even the specific algorithm and things have you touched on for everyday business development? Not a lot, <laughs> right? Yeah. Not, not a lot. Not a lot. So, so I think that will become more prevalent in day-to-day. -day. And at least the understanding of how those things work so that you can use them more effectively. And that's where I would start. You know? If you're worried about you know machines supplanting <laughs> you as a developer, <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe that's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. Okay, closing then, and uh, thank everyone for thanks everyone for your time and for uh, all the good questions and and insights that you've uh, shared with us. Uh, remember, if this is the first time or not, if you haven't subscribed, please do so. Uh, follow us, etc. And uh, you can find us uh, every Tuesday from now on this year. This is the first um, fireside chat of the year. Uh, after a long break that we needed. So um, looking forward to seeing you all in the next uh, episode. And hey, thank you. Everyone. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>